Hey, what up, Long Beach? Welcome back to the LB Fee Show, the only podcast covering everything Long Beach State Athletics. It is championship season for a few teams here at the beach, and the Big West has got the Long Beach State coming, looking for char- looking for trophies this month. Uh, obviously, the we are the 562.org. We host this show. I am JJ Fiddler, and he is Mike Arabasio. Greetings. As always, coming to you every two weeks, we've got a very exciting episode with uh, Long Beach State men's golf coach Mike Wilson and uh, and a golfer. I love that we've been having more student-athletes on the show this year. Uh, Bryce Kovic is joining us as well. Golf team getting ready for their Big West Championship next week out in La Quinta. Uh, but before we get to that interview, we've got to bring on uh, the man, the myth, the legend. This is what I do for a living. I just introduce uh, Long Beach State uh, Executive Director of Athletics, Andy Fee. Andy, welcome to the show. Uh, it's good to be here. You and I are attached at the hip this week, right? <laughs> it does. It does feel that way a little bit, Andy. Uh, obviously, big news up top. Uh, the Long Beach State men's volleyball team receives the number one seed overall into next week's NCAA tournament, which will be at UCLA. Um, they are going to play Thursday at 5 p.m. May 5th against the winner of UCLA and Pepperdine. If they win that match, uh, they will play in the NCAA championship on Saturday, May 7th. Uh, all those matches at Poly Pavilion. I'm very excited for those. You've been traveling all over doing Big West championships and stuff, but uh, but there's got to be a, a special feeling, regardless of what happens going forward, when you have a young team with almost no seniors and they get the number one seed in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, it's super exciting and, you know, somewhat nerve-wracking in a way. Um, you know, I've gotten a lot of questions. People, well, how did you get in? You lost. And you know, the math of, of how you get into tournaments is, is, is really unique. And, you know, the best way I explain to somebody, you know, when North Carolina loses the Duke in the AC, ACC finals, um, you know, they don't get the AQ, but they're going to get in based upon their overall body of work. And our right. overall body of work was, in my opinion, amazing. And really, uh, I want to acknowledge and, and give a shout out to the coaching staff. Um, we, we put together uh, a letter that, that came from me to the selection committee, but basically broke down statistically why we deserve one, to get an at-large berth, and two, the number one seed, even as an at-large berth, uh, at-large bid team. And, uh, you know, the stats, when you break it down, to me, there was no question whether we should be in and in, in the number one seed. But, you know, in the back of your mind, you know, you lose a match and now you're relying on others to to put you in a space. And, you know, hopefully one of the other things that, that we're working on around men's volleyball for the fans out there who, who follow it really closely is expansion of the championship bracket. Right now, seven teams um, are selected. You know, we'd like to get to 12, 11 or 12, 11, you know, gets four more in. And, you know, if you have 11 teams, Penn State's in. And we're not sweating bullets and Hawaii probably wasn't sweating bullets on, you know, having to win the, the championship because it's very difficult. And we do feel for Penn State because um, we've been in that spot before. Andy, do you guys write letters like that to selection committees often or is that rare? No, we do that quite often. Um, anytime. And, you know, as serving as a chair of one of the selection committees myself, you know, the committees do have all of the data, but what you can do is also provide a narrative. Um, so it's not like we shared anything that they probably didn't have access to, 
but we put it into a narrative format that kind of just really walks you through it. And, you know, one of the committee members acknowledged, you know, hey, we got it. And then was like, hey, this was really good. And I, all the credit goes to Coach Knipe and, and Andy Reid and, and his staff for putting it together. But, you know, do, do letters like that really push it? I don't know. Having served on a committee, it's not like you're shocked when you get a letter. But yeah, it shows how much a program cares, though, to send a letter because not every team or every program every athletic director is going to send a letter. So um, whether it really pushes you over the, uh, the finish line, I don't know, but we do it because we just, we want to do anything we can to, to get that opportunity. Well, and you know, you like, I think the expansion is really necessary. The, the deal is there's seven spots currently, five of them go to automatic qualifiers or AQs. So that leaves two at large as well. Guess what? You know, you've got the MPSF and you got the Big West. It's obviously a West Coast sport. Um, typically, four out of the five, five out of the top six teams in the country are in those conferences. And as happened to Penn State, you know, number two team in the country for a good chunk of the season. Um, but they lost in the conference semis. UCLA lost in the conference semis. And then you guys lost in the Big West championship. So the top three teams in the country, <laughs> you know, for, by most polls, um, are not getting the auto cues, which means that two, one of the two, one of the three is, is not going to get in on an at-large. But um, the point that uh, Coach Knight made, he and I were having a laugh about it on Sunday, is, you know, he just said, look, like the, the Big West has been the number one conference in the country by RPI since it was founded, since the day it was founded, basically. Um, and, you know, he said, if you're a, an SEC football team, if you're in one of the Power Five basketball conferences, those rankings matter and you receive your multiple bids from your conference without apology. And he said, that's exactly what the big West should be feeling in men's volleyball. Um, as someone who's just around the sport, I don't think there's any question that you guys in Hawaii put more um, emphasis on the sport than anyone else and are bringing more fans and are, are doing a lot to grow the game. So, you know, it, it just, it makes sense to me, but it, it was, it, Alan admitted, he's like, you know, everything in my brain is telling me, yes, we're in, we're, we've been number one in the RPI for over a month. But of course, like if you're a Long Beach State fan or if you're a coach, you've had plenty of those days where it felt like the NCAA should do something <laughs> for Long Beach State that went the other way. So I think it says a lot about that program and about your commitment to it, Andy, that they've arrived at a point where that that doesn't go the way that it used to because they had that, that team specifically you know over the last 15 years that we've been covering have had a couple of days where it felt like they should get in and they did you know what i mean yeah yeah it's you know five out of six years in the final four is rare air and the program has put itself in a place where we certainly have a target on our back you know people are trying to one catch up to us and two uh, others are trying to get back in front of us and but you know it's it's great when you can write a letter that talks about you know even in a situation where you don't want to be having lost the conference championship you're still in a place where you know your brain says you're you're definitely in and um credit to to the big west being formed you know that, that we yes. left the mpsf and because that's where Penn State is. Penn State's in a, in a to be frank, a weaker league. Yep. And that, to me, that's what really hurts them is, you know, they run the table and do, but they just don't have the strength of schedule that, that we do. You know, we had the number two strength of schedule. Penn State was number 17. Right. Um, and, you know, 
the criteria, there's multiple criteria, as you were just saying, and okay, we lost heads up to them, but you know, of the other 12 criteria, we've got eight of the 12. So uh, it's a good place to be, obviously it'd be better to be in a AQ situation, but it's great to be in a position where if, if, if a night doesn't go your way, you're still, you're still alive. Well, that's great stuff for the men's volleyball team, obviously right where they want to be. Now we move on to the beach volleyball team here at Long Beach State, and they are playing great right now. They ended the season with four wins last week. They have won nine of their last 11 matches. Last week included an upset win at number four, Loyola Marymount, and that is a perfect time for it because the beach volleyball team is headed to the Big West Conference Championships. They are going to be in San Luis Obispo Friday and Saturday, a two-day tournament. We got to give a special shout out to Sydney Stevens and Katie Kennedy. They went 4-0 last weekend as well, including an upset of the number two pair at LMU that really led to that championship. Andy, you've got to be thrilled with the beach, playing well at the beach. Yeah, this is another scenario where if we do the work we should be capable of doing, um, you know, it'd be great to, to obviously win the, the conference tournament. But, you know, if we can get to the finals, semifinals, and, you know, we'll be in good shape. You know, the field's been expanded to 16 teams. Uh, the Big West, uh, the West Coast teams are the more dominant teams in beach volleyball. Um, there's not really a criteria as I was going through with men's volleyball, with beach volleyball, it's, it's, it's so new. They're still kind of creating all of these things, but our body of work is, is really, really strong. And, uh, that LMU win is, is, is just exactly what you want to just springboard into the postseason. Before we get to our interview, Andy, we also wanted to ask you about Long Beach State Athletics partnership with Influencer, and that has a lot to do with the NCAA policies regarding name, image, and likeness, correct? Yeah, uh, this is a new era. You know, we keep talking about these changes and, you know, the name, image, likeness. Now the student-athletes can really monetize and, and grow their brand, and Influencer is, is a great tool. Uh, it allows um, content to be created for them. Basically, they can go into it and access it and then share it across their social media or however they want to use it and, and build that brand. So they don't have to go square one and become their own graphic artist or, or anything like that. Um, videos, highlights, uh, headshots, all of these things that these athletes need to use to build the brand are now going to be at their fingertips. And um, Influencer has, has executed agreements with, I'm not, a, a ton of schools. I mean, across, across the spectrum, SEC, Pac-12, Big Ten, Big West, uh, so this is just one way that we want to help those athletes and um, anything we can do to help them uh, build their brand. Um, take that step as a person too, right? It's, it's, you know, they're on the field competing, but what are they going to do beyond that? This is a great first step in, in building that brand. We live in a very virtual online world, and uh, this is going to be really awesome for those student athletes. I'm sure a lot of companies uh, are available to do something like this. Why did you choose Influencer? Why'd you go with them? You know, I keep saying the term, the body of work, they, they've partnered uh, with a lot of great schools so we can go in and see what they're doing. Um, some of these are, are very new. Some of these companies are very new. They haven't been in the space very long. So you just, you're not really sure what, what they're delivering or what they're capable, what their platform is capable of delivering. But an influencer is one of the largest, uh, what I would call a premier vendor 
for this. And again, being able to, to see what they've done for uh, athletes at other schools kind of just pushes them over the top. Um, and clearly to me uh, is the best uh, delivery platform that we could find. Are you guys thinking that one student athlete or one team is gonna be able to do something pretty big that's going to get more attention for the university through this name, image, and likeness? Or are you kind of just letting these kids go off and do their own thing? Well, we're trying to educate um, them as best we can, educate them around what it means to build a brand, like what is a brand? Um, you know, it, it's, you know, I, I think people go, oh, it's obvious what it is. And well, how do you build it? It's obvious how you build a brand, but it's, it's very strategic. So what we're trying to do is give them the tools um, and the tool and the toolkit that they can then build it themselves. A lot of this, they have to do the work for themselves. We can't negotiate deals for them, but what we can do is help them build that brand. So when they go to meet with Subway, um, you know, they've got, hey, you know, I have this following. I've grown my, my followers by 40% in the last three months, and I'm headed to 25,000 followers. Therefore, you know, this would be a great agreement for me to, you know, the Subway sandwich of the week tweet every week. Um, so we're going to do as much as we can to stay compliant, to stay within the rules. It's a little bit of a gray area out there in some respects, but we're going we're gonna to toe the line and make sure that we do it the right way. Does that make recruiting and getting attention from future student athletes more difficult for universities in smaller cities? For example, it would be much easier for a student athlete in Los Angeles to get something from a local call de car dealer than somebody in Peoria to get a local call dealer, car dealer? Like has the rich become richer and the poor become poor because of this situation? And where does Long Beach State land in that spectrum? I think it depends. Um, in the virtual world, whether you live in the middle of Wyoming or Los Angeles, if you've got 3 million followers and you say, you know, you should drink, you know, Avion water, you're, you're still reaching 3 million people. Now, if you're talking a more geographic, hey, um, Cape Toyota, who's one of our partners, like, you know, I want to get a deal with Cape Toyota, but if there's no, you know, auto dealership in your small town, that's where you probably would lose out. So I think it depends on the categories you're talking about. Uh, certain categories, it's going to be way better to be in a larger metropolitan area like Los Angeles versus a small metro um, target. So I look at it to answer your question um, on where's Long Beach State as an advantage being where we are. We're really hoping that we can follow um, what a lot of other schools are doing. There's a lot of people in the community that have approached me asking, well, what can we do? How do we do this? So, you know, is there going to be a consortium or a conglomerate in the future, um, you know, that, that is targeted to working with beach athletes? You know, it very well could happen. Uh, there's a lot of interest in having such a large population and so many firms and companies is definitely an advantage for Long Beach State. Well, I got 20 bucks on the consortium if it's, if it's, <laughs> if it, if it's coming down. Um, I, you know, just asking you to project a little into the future. I know we've talked um, on and off the podcast about the NIL stuff a little bit, but I think there was a fear, um, you know, first of all, it was sort of the most hands-off approach that NCAA could take to this issue, which they kind of had to act on, right? And I, we talked about that on the show, that it was sort of pushing it pretty far down the uh, pyramid, um, no pun intended. Um, but there was a lot of fear I, that I heard that it was like, oh, this is going to be a rich get richer, that it's like, you know, there's more money behind 
um, Alabama football than there is behind Sac State football. So is it going to benefit them more? And I think the way that it's kind of played out is it, it actually seems like it's been better for HBCUs and mid-majors in many regards, just because it's allowed more creativity. Um, and, you know, I don't, I don't think people need me to say it overtly, but it's like, I think, um, you know, the bigger money programs, it's just like in, in corporate finance, like bigger money programs have more people to help them kind of navigate loopholes and different things. And by opening this stuff up, it, it's maybe afforded a Jackson State or the Long Beach State um, the opportunity to compete with those big programs. Is that the way you see it playing out? Do you think long-term, maybe it ends up actually being better for mid-major programs than everyone was kind of worried about? Yeah, I, I think so. My opinion is it probably is more dangerous to be outside of that power five, you know, a football program that, that's not a power five institution. That's probably where if I yeah. were an athletic director, I'd be very nervous right now because it. It, 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 it's likely, it's probable that there's going to be some sort of realignment within division one. And as you were kind of saying, the, the rich get richer, the, you know, that SEC, the power five, true power five, you know, 50 schools, 60 schools, whatever you want to call it, um, they're going to go a different direction. They're, they're, they're what athletes are uh, getting in terms of NIL deals is going to be drastically different than at a non-power five football school. So, that's where you're going to probably see a shift in, you know, I hate to say it, football's likely going to really change the landscape. Um, some schools that now are in that bowl division may not be in that bowl division because right. from a financial standpoint, it just doesn't work. Now, that's one athletic director's opinion. It's not as though I, I have top secret information, but I do think you're going to see a realignment within division one. All right, our thanks to uh, Long Beach State golf coach, men's golf coach, uh, Mike Wilson, for being with us, as well as golfer Bryce Kavik. Uh, guys, uh, we've got the Big West Championships coming up next week. How's everyone feeling? We're feeling awesome. Yeah, thanks for uh, having us, JJ, Mike. Uh, appreciate being on. Um, we're defending champs, so we leave this Friday. Tournament is Sunday, Monday, Tuesday at La Quinta Country Club. And... Um, we uh, we're in a good spot right now in the season. We just come off a couple of second place finishes. Uh, so trending in, a, in the right direction, as you well know, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. So um, our season is essentially coming down to um, winning the Big West Championship to advance on to the NCAA regional and national championship beyond. Which, uh, Mike, as you mentioned, you guys did last year. I did want to point out, um, I hope the golf coaches are, are organizing about the fact that every other spring Big West sport had their championship in Hawaii, and you guys are going to La Quinta, which all due respect to La Quinta. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they, they got it figured out more than we do. Yeah. <laughs> La Quinta is a nice golf course, though. Um I, I've played it once. It's it's pretty nice. Bryce, you're going to play it for the first time this week because you missed last year's championship with uh, with hip surgery. So how excited are you to finally be able to get into this Big West championship? Yeah, I'm really excited. Um, seeing the guys go out there and, and play really well last year. I think we had all guys, all five guys finish in the top seven last year. Um, they, they performed really well. And I'm uh, really excited to hopefully be part of something special and, you know, go back to back again this year coach what have you seen from Bryce as he's made his way back onto the golf course this season uh yeah Bryce is a amazing young man you know first off 
He's tremendous in the classroom. He's a business degree um, with on the presidential scholarship here at Long Beach State. I believe he's got a higher than a 4.0 currently. And, um, you know, he brings an incredible work ethic to everything that he does. He's got a lot of care and competitiveness in everything he does. And, you know, he essentially went down um, with hip surgery and that took him out of the spring this last year with um, a few of his teammates that I know he loved playing with. So he had to sit out on the sideline and watch rehab. Um, he came back, he played a big summer amateur uh, schedule before the fall of this year and had some really nice finishes. And then for whatever reason, um, didn't quite hit coming in um, in our, our fall and, and missed out on some tournaments. But I think he used the time really productively over the winter time to get his game to shape and get ready for the spring. And this spring, he's had some nice finishes and helped our team um, have a um, continue our, our kind of upward trajectory here this spring. Bryce, I know that you're competitive because I was looking on your bio uh, and it said that the celebrity you'd most want to play golf with was Charles Barkley. And I noted that you picked a celebrity, you know, you could probably beat pretty handily. Is that what went into that decision? <laughs> no. Um, I mean, I just always enjoy, um, you know, hearing him talk, you know, they're always on NBA and TNT and stuff like that. And um, growing, I'm from Sacramento. So growing up, going to up to Lake Tahoe every once in a while to, um, the celebrity tournament just I've had a couple of interactions with them and he's always just seems so awesome and cool to be around is more kind of where that was um, you know centered around you have to feel confident that you'd also beat him though yes yeah definitely yeah. <laughs> uh, he, he tends to struggle on the golf course for sure. so Bryce you a basketball fan I am yeah I actually played basketball um, you know in high school and all growing up um, I think there was times where I was on like five or six different teams throughout the week. And um, yeah, definitely basketball and baseball and some other sports were really a main focus in my life, probably until um, early in high school, I kind of made that that decision to switch um, and play golf, but I still played basketball uh, for most of the time when I was in high school as well. What are you shooting guard? Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Get it shot shooting okay we're gonna continue accuracy accuracy, um, and, accuracy and repeatability are, are his gonna, athletic prowesses who's gonna win the uh, who's gonna win the nba championship give us a prediction i don't know i mean it was kind of tough like um you know it felt bad for the celtics having to play the nets but it seemed like they handled them uh pretty easily so um i think they're a lot better than people might think um you have jason jason tatum is a prolific scorer and marcus marcus smart on the other end um, kind of holding down the defense I think they could be sneaky I don't know the Warriors are really good as well so that's no that, bias I like yeah. that no bias oh, you didn't get an answer there you hear that yes I, I that's a, that he's a, um, I'm noticing the business major and the basketball fan coming together <laughs> yeah uh, as it, okay, I do have to ask. We're talking basketball. Being from Sacramento, are you uh, do you are you a Warriors fan or like have you no. adopted them or you're just diehard Kings no. all the way? I'm a I'm a I'm a pretty diehard Kings fan. God um, bless. Definitely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> me, and are, me and Coach are actually also um, A's fans as well. So kind of get a little rough on the owner side of uh, yeah favorite teams. Yeah, you got you guys got the short end of the stick. I do hear it's pretty easy to come by ace tickets uh, at this. Yeah, <laughs> at this they're <laughs> available. Yeah. 
Uh, get, getting back to golf a little bit, Coach, uh, you know, obviously coming into the uh, into Long Beach State, you had a plan of how you wanted to build your program. Obviously, it's worked, but how close to the plan has the actual last five years gone for you? I mean, obviously, with COVID and everything, it, it shook things up. So how have you been able to maintain what you kind of wanted to build this program, Mike? Yeah, JJ, it's it's gone well, I think. Um, the first piece of that plan is getting the right guys on the team. And those are guys that love the game. Number one, who are deeply competitive, who are hungry to learn and grow and push themselves in all ways on and off the course. Um, and so I think we were able to identify those guys, recruit those guys, get those guys in COVID, I think slowed us down a little bit that year that we were competing at, we were ranked 32nd, I think in the nation. And we played San Diego State's event, and that was our last round in like May or sorry, March 12th or so, I want to say. Um, and we had two guys decide to transfer at that time. And um, it was really kind of um, tricky and, and recruiting, you know, through that phase. But thankfully, we were able to continue to do that and add other good pieces to our lineup. Um, you know, this this year we have two freshmen. One of them um, is probably going to be the conference freshman of the year. And um, we, we've had a conference freshman of the year each of the years that I've been here. Um, last year we had a Big West player of the year for only the second time in program history in Hunter Epson. And also this year we have um, Tyler Schaefer, who's a Wilson High grad, Long Beach local. And he's currently just under the program history um, overall scoring um, season season long scoring um, average so he's going to try to break that and um, you know Jack Gainscoff has transferred in from Colorado State and been a, a nice piece of our, our lineup um, and then Bryce and, and Stephen Deutsch who's a freshman from Chula Vista so we, we've got some some great players on board we've got some great players coming in this this next year Jack Cantlay, who's uh, the, the younger brother of, of Patrick Cantlay, is, has committed to come and, if, and uh, a few other guys. So really excited about not only this year, but what's to come in, in the years ahead. And, you know, we want to win a national championship. And, you know, to do that, it all starts with getting the right guys, getting players that love the game, are hungry, competitive. Um, they're going to push each other every single day. They're, they're going to raise the bar for themselves and they're going to raise the bar for everyone else around them. Yeah, but Bryce, talk a little bit about the uh, personality of this team. You know, do you guys get along? Are you guys super competitive? What's it like out there on the course with those guys? Yeah, we're a, we're a really competitive bunch. You know, we're going out um, to play some golf this afternoon. And um, coach announced yesterday at practice that we're going to play some matches against each other. And just like right instantly, there's guys like, oh, I want to play him or I want to play him. I need to rematch against him. And, you know, you know, off the course, we all get along really well. And, you know, I really love being a part of this team, but, you know, at the end of the day, we all want to kick each other's butt on the course and uh, compete hard every single day. You know, I think that's something that coaches really instilled in us and kind of pushed um, just in our competitive juices is cheating, treating every day like a championship day, you know, going out and winning the day um, is kind of our motto uh, for, for the year, um, especially this year. And, uh, we just 
talk about it every day. It's just going to come down to winning the day at the end, especially you get into a regional, you know, the top five teams go. And at, at the end of the day, it's going to be tight and you just got to go win the day if you want to keep going. Um, I'm this is this for either one of you guys who's interested in answering it, but I'm just kind of curious about what it's like. It feels like this spring we're sort of athletically, at least more or less putting the pandemic behind us. You know, things are happening as scheduled. Um, there's less requirements for fans and stuff like that. Golf was like an interesting sport because for like a year, it was like the only thing you were allowed to do <laughs> in, the, in Long Beach, at least like the gyms are closed the basketball courts are closed. Um, what was the experience like for you guys over the last two years? Um, you know, of, of, of managing. I know we talked to some high school golfers and they're like, it's really weird because we're allowed to go practice by ourselves at big rec. But if we met there as a team, that would be like against the rules. Like it's just been kind of a, a, a weird stretch. So what's the last two years been like? And do you kind of feel like we're over the hump on, on some of those restrictions and stuff? You take that one, Bryce. Okay. Yeah. It's been, it's been kind of uh, interesting. I think I've had kind of an interesting experience too, dealing with my injury kind of in the middle of it. Yeah. So right when COVID first started, I knew, you know, once we were sent home, it was going to be, um, you know, obviously a while before we were going to be able to come back. And so I, I used that as an opportunity. I kind of changed something in my swing um, that I really thought needed to be changed uh, to continue to play at like a higher level and, you know, pursue this eventually. Um, and so I, I, I used that time wisely and it was kind of nice because there's no tournaments. I didn't feel pressure to, mm. you know, hit it perfect all the time and, you know, be able to go compete. And, and I was uh, playing some really good golf once we got, you know, tournaments going back. And then eventually in the fall, you know, it started to not feel good. And I had my injury, um, had surgery in December and wasn't able to play for about six and a half months. Uh, so, yeah, that was kind of brutal. But now, um, you know, as far as golf goes, you know, you're able to socially distance and for right. a long time, at least on the golf course, it's felt pretty normal. Um, you know, you're not like, you know, guarding anybody or right. trying to get, trying to get in their way or getting anywhere close to them. So, right. um, on the golf course, it's definitely been pretty normal for a while, but it definitely was an interesting time for the last, you know, two years. I, I, I love that you, instead of, uh, getting a sourdough starter or like, uh, you know, the weird hobbies that everyone else is doing. I love that you just use the time to focus more on golf. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Well, it was nice too. There was kind of an opportunity in there you know, a lot of other sports were still shut down, but we were able to, you know, I went to Arizona for a couple of weeks in May, like right when the pandemic was basically first starting, you yeah. know, like we were in it for a while, but really it was just the beginning. And as soon as May, they were putting on tournaments and, you know, I felt really lucky that I was able to go compete as, as soon as I was. Yeah, for sure. Coach, uh, what, what are your expectations for this big West conference championship that's coming up? And what do you guys think you need to do in order to repeat? Yeah, JJ, our expectations is to win it. And to do that, um, I think it just comes down to going shot to shot, getting in your process. We've talked about it all year long, and it's probably no different from any other sport. But like who can be most disciplined to their process of hitting a shot and wiping clean emotion? You know, it's all right to get angry if you don't execute a shot, but you just ask that you can take the space to get back into what you need to do next because the next shot's the most important shot. So, um, you know, you really go from shot to shot 
and then you add them up at the end and that's what you shot that day and it's it sounds simple it's challenging to do especially when everything's on the line but when you're talking about peak performance uh you know in golf or any other sport for that matter it's just really being in the present and um focusing on what you have control of and and then letting it rip uh, the game of golf is full of quotes and isms and cliches. Uh, I want to know which one is your favorite to use on the course. Mine is always the Walter Hagen, two horrible shots and a fantastic shot is still par. So I want to know which ones you guys think is, uh, is your favorite or one that you really like to use on the course. What you got, Bryce? I don't know. Uh, yeah, let me think about that one. There's a lot of them. Yeah, that, there is a lot of them. That, that's why. That's why I like it. Um, I'm a big. Uh, I'm big Ben Hogan fan. I mean, it's it's simple, but he's like, if you can't if you can't beat him, outwork him. You know, he's a guy who peaked relatively late, like in his 30s, and had a lot of struggle early on. There's funny ones like there's uh, the question to Seve Ballesteros and when he four putted at the Masters and the reporter asked him what happened afterwards and he goes I putt I miss I putt I miss I putt I miss I putt I make uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah every every weekend warrior knows how that feels <laughs> yeah we've all been there what do you got Bryce what do you think well, I think the one that sticks with me the most isn't necessarily about on the golf course, but just surrounding golf in general. And again, it's like a, a Ben Hogan thing. And we talk about it a lot. And when I struggle, it's like there's only one way out. It's to dig it out of the dirt. So that's just, you know, getting out there and putting the work in, you know, whatever's necessary to, you know, right the ship or get yourself in a spot to be able to compete at the level you want, you know. I like that. I didn't know we were going to talk about Ben Hogan today, but he's one of my one of my favorites. One of the more underrated sports performances is him getting on that course with uh, bandages around his legs what was it like three months after that car accident and winning that tournament i've got i've got that picture of him hitting that one iron up 18 on my wall actually oh do you um, nice yeah that's my favorite he's one of my favorites man really good yeah, stuff i'm right there with you yeah about 12 months afterwards they say never you never walk again let alone play and you won the u.s open at marion golf club just wins it unbelievable yeah. Um, thank you guys so much for taking the time. I know you're busy building up to this championship. Uh, this is a great interview. Best of luck out there and uh, go show them who's boss, huh? Will do. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks for having us. Another great interview with another good coach and student athlete at Long Beach State. Thanks again to them. Andy, bringing you back in for our outro. Now for something completely different. What song gets on your nerves the most? It can be something you hear all the time. It can be something you don't hear very often, but there's got to be one song whenever you hear it, you just face to, uh, to palm, can't, can't stand it. Uh, I would have to go with Britney Spears' Oops. Is it Oops, I Did It Again? <laughs> I just can't. If you, if that you hate one it, if you, hate it you, know the, you know the title. Is yeah, it because um, of the repetitiveness? I hear that thing. It gets played here and there, maybe as less, but man, at the time when I just, I was not a fan of that song. So I, that was a pretty easy one for me to answer. I don't know. I don't know why it just, it grates on me a little bit. So that's, oops, I did it again. I'm, oops, I hope it's over. I don't need to hear that song <laughs> ever again. 
Uh, Funny thing is, Andy's favorite song is actually Toxic by Britney Spears. Yeah, he's a huge Britney fan. He just doesn't like that one song. Yeah, right. You know, just she just went the wrong direction on that one song. But, you know, totally redeemed herself with uh, with Toxic. That's really funny. Um, Mike, what's yours? Um, I don't think I have a a specific song that I can think of. Um, I'm not a fan of country music, particularly, uh, and uh, electronic music also, um, which is difficult as a volleyball writer. Uh, spoiler um, spoiler alert all music is eventually electronic but continue um yeah but the ones where it sounds like the computers are screaming at you like i get enough of that like that's sort of my job is having the computer scream at me and so when i'm covering volleyball and that's going out like especially beach volleyball it's like non-stop and i'm just always uh it's just not what i prefer to punch me in the ear <laughs> uh mine is heart of glass and it's a story too long to tell on this podcast so Oh, okay. uh, thank you right. to producer Roger. Thank you to uh, Andy Fee. Thank you to you, Beach Nation, for listening, supporting, doing everything that you do for Long Beach State Athletics. Like I said at the top, it's championship season. It's time to go. We're going to have all the previews and coverage of those championships at the562.org. So we will see you in the stands very soon, Long Beach. Take care.